Who is going to open the Big East as favorites? Who is going to contend for a spot in the big dance? And what freshman will shine in a conference that is known for basketball? The Big East coming up next. Find out who we think is due to shine. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome all. You're listening to Locked On NBA Big Board. My name is Leif Tulin. Rafael Barlow coined the name The Grinder for me because I watch more college basketball than just about anyone. And with college hoops just around the corner, it's time to prep up. And I'm joined right now by the guy who watches more TCU, and, and he's a credentialed analyst at TCU. We're not talking TCU today, but we'll get to them next. Big 12 previews on the, on the preview for Richard and myself. How are you doing today, Richard? And what, how excited are you for college basketball? It's just what I'm Hey, thinking. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional because, because of the shirt I'm wearing. I don't even know if you saw that, but shout partially, out to yeah. uh, our YouTube. It was YouTube partially I saw the I saw the shadow of the horned frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes it a little bit, you know, yeah, you know, big news today with Jace Posey choosing uh, either TCU or George Mason. But overall, I'm doing good. I'm excited to preview the Big East. Yeah, thanks to everyone for making Locked on NBA Big Board your first listen every day. Remember, Locked on NBA Big Board is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube on Locked on NBA Big Board, where the best way to help us grow is comment and like, subscribe, you know, all the usual stuff. And we're, we're hoping to give you some good content coming around the corner with college basketball just around the corner. So in the first segment, we'll talk to you about who we think are the top five teams in order in the Big East, which I think is one of the most loaded conferences and maybe the best the Big East has been since it became what the Big East is now after losing Syracuse, Louisville, West Virginia, a lot of those teams. And then the second segment, we'll discuss which players in the conference project as draft picks. There's a few obvious ones, and there's a few sleeper ones that I think Richard and myself are both eager to tell you about and what we like about their respective games. And maybe we'll give you a rough outline where we have them on our board. And lastly, we'll pinpoint a few standouts who may earn accolades as all Big East uh, honorees. Richard, you want to start us off with who you have as your fifth place team in the Big East? Ooh, fifth place. We, we can go uh, first you know, to five I was, I was if prepared you prefer. to start at the top. I, I've been overthinking this a little bit, I think. And I think at five, it becomes a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, but for me, you know, I, I think it's hard. I, I feel like I'm going to have this team too, too low. Um, but, man, this is tough. I'm still going back and forth. I'm deciding between Seton Hall and Xavier. I really like both of those teams. Um, I'll go with Xavier because I think Seton Hall might be a little bit better. Um, with Xavier, I, I just, I really like their foundation they're building. I think they're probably better long-term. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's what I'm factoring in here, but you know, with Paul Scruggs being gone, it kind of hurts, but they got Sully boom, uh, out of UTEP as a transfer. I was a huge fan of that acquisition. Uh, so I really like that. And honestly, that alone puts them up there because I think they're returning a pretty good portion of the roster. Colby Jones is somebody who I sent out a tweet about who I really buy his upside. I think he's going to have a breakout year. You look at Sully Boom and Colby Jones alone, that does it. They also have other guys like Zach Fremantle and some others. But I think their core is really good in their NCAA tournament team this year. Yeah, I think I should mention from the outset, I think there's going to be six or seven NCAA tournament teams from the Big East. So we're, we're taking the top five because of lack of time, but I think we could we could safely make an argument for seven teams. Uh, my number five is going to be the Providence Friars, led by Ed Cooley. Uh, Ed Cooley won the Big East last year with Providence. He lost some uh, uh, talent, Nate Watson, Nate Horkler in, in particular. Um, I, I just believe that the transfers they got will fit the system. They play deliberate basketball. There's more cross screens and more of a, uh, 
can like compacted basketball than, than just about any team in the country, but all of that discipline will pay off for, for Providence and they will defend their title with an honorable, honorable season, but not quite a, in a better big East. They're not going to finish quite as high. I've got them in fifth. Um, I, I think there's a couple of candidates that I doubt either of us are going to say that I do think will make the tournament. So if we don't get there, I'll mention them at the end, but who's your number four, Richard? Yeah, mine is Providence. Um, I, I really like a lot of the transfers they brought in. They didn't have, they don't have a good freshman class coming in. Their best player is a fringe top 150 guy, but you know, even with losing Nate Watson, I think they return a good amount of the team, right? Like they they really didn't lose a ton of guys, if I'm not mistaken. Now I'm double checking myself, but uh, I know they got Noah Locke, uh, which was a really big get for guard. Noah Locke's been at Louisville. Um, they also they also have Bryce Hopkins from Kentucky, and Corey Floyd stayed within the conference. I think those are probably the relevant transfers here. Um, but I really like what they're doing. And, and again, you said it. Ed Cooley is a coach. It's hard to doubt. Who's your number four? My number four is Xavier. So I, I we're we're flip swapped. I I think that Xavier, you know, you get some new enthusiasm with the Miller at, at the helm. Um, I I think that Zach Fremantle, Jack Nunji is an experienced front court. I believe in Colby Jones being an NBA draft pick, and that's a little preview for coming up next. I think we'll both touch on him as a potential potential guy that could be drafted out of the Big East. I also think that their backcourt is underrated as, and it's experienced. And that's something that matters to me. I, I, you'll hear me preach this. And if you listen to Richard and I back when we were doing a lot of college draft show, uh, college basketball shows rather than the draft, um, I, I talked about how the point guard position and veteran guards make a huge difference. They've got the experience in the front court that makes a difference. I got a potential NBA guy on the wing. Now, how are your guards? That's still a question, but I do think they'll be solid in that department and they'll be seven deep. And I, I think Xavier is going to return to the tournament and, and be a top six seed in the tournament. And I've got them fourth in the big East. Yeah. I I'm dreading now I'm picking number three, because I'm, <clears throat> I'm starting to overthink here, but I'm going to go with uh for me, I'm, I'm going to go with Villanova, and it's funny we had our four or five flipped. I'm, I'm interested to see if we have just all the same five teams, which at this rate I think we will. So for Villanova, they lost Colin uh, Gillespie. They get Cam Whitmore and Mark Armstrong. It's a really strong duo. For college basketball, I don't know how much that actually amounts to with a new coach, too. Losing Jay Wright was far and away their biggest subtraction, uh, as big as losing Colin Gillespie was. But um, I really like the freshman class. I think both of those guys are going to be drafted. Again, kind of foreshadowing here. Cam Whitmore's a, no, a top 10 prospect. Mark Armstrong should be up in the top 45 too. I think they've got a really good foundation and also like wide out Villanova. So for me, Villanova's number three pretty safely. Yeah, I think we're, we've probably got the same five. My number three is UConn, a team that I'm pretty high on. I've, I've talked to Richard about both on and off camera. Uh, I, I think Adama Sanogo is the best player in the Big East. And, and so I'm ruining my Big East player of the year pick right there. But Adama Sanogo is a dominant big. He had so many missed bunnies last year, and it could have been instead of 16 points, 20 easily. Um, I think fatigue got the better of him down the stretch of the season. They do lose RJ Cole. I'm curious to see how the point guard play is for UConn, but the depth of talent and athleticism uh, is something there. I believe in Dan Hurley's program. Adama Sanogo, Samson Johnson, uh, Andre Jackson, who is one of the best athletes in the entire country, could be a draft uh, play, a drafted player. I think Jordan Hawkins is due for a breakout. And I think transfer guards, Naima Len, and uh, I'm blanking on their, uh, their, their who's probably going to be the starter right now, which is unfortunate from Eastern Carolina. Um, but anyway, long story short, UConn, 
UConn to me is is a team that defensively has the chops to win any game they want to. And offensively, if they can supplement Adama Sonogo's production on the interior and, and their depth is solid as well, they improve their bench. I, I believe in their ability to score points, especially if Jordan Hawkinson score 15 points a game. That team is a, is a second weekend team to me in, in terms of March Madness. That bit me in the butt last year saying this, but I think their, their team molds better this year, despite the lack of t- uh, gritty, tough experience that RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin uh, leave when with, with their departures. So yeah, and I assume, dude, on top of I assume all they're that, number two for you. And on, on top of all of that too, they, <clears throat> they get Hassan Diara from Texas A&M, who I think will be quality uh, guard for them. And then they got another really good guard. One of the best, I would say, he, I hate calling the American athletic and mid-major here. So forgive me, but technically they're not a power five, whatever, or power six. I mean, they're worse than the big East. So uh, they're not one of the big six conferences, but Tristan Newton from East Carolina, huge addition, six, five, just bucket. And I think that's going to be absolutely wonderful. And then there's another guy who I really like. I haven't seen anybody talk about this guy outside of Mike Schmitz, like during the pandemic, Donovan Klingon. He is a top 50 recruit. He's seven, one with a seven, seven wingspan. He can stretch the floor. I don't know how much he impacts the game this year, but I can imagine he's going to be a backup and probably add some really quality value minutes in 15 minutes a game. So I really like what UConn's doing. They're my number two team. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining we're going to flip-flop pretty much the whole way and then have the same number one. Yes, I, I think that's the case. Uh, Villanova's my number two. Jay Wright is gone. Kyle Neptune steps in. I like what they bring in, and I really I think I'm higher on their returning players than most, and I think I'm about the same in terms of the hype for their incoming players, which is rare for Villanova to have one-and-done possible freshmen. That's exactly what Cam Whitmore, and he's the headliner in terms of an NBA draft show like we are. So we'll talk about Cam Whitmore a lot in the next segment, but I'll tell you about some of their players that I think will be productive in the Big East and really make a huge difference, starting with Caleb Daniels. He was the sixth man of the year, but basically a fifth starter, came in uh, and started for when Justin Moore was out with an Achilles. If Justin Moore can come back and be a a shell of who he was and and even close to what he was, I think this team's really, really good and will sneaky contend uh, for, for another deep run. Uh, they, they bring in Mark Armstrong, Cam Whitmore, Eric Dixon stays. They lost Jermaine Samuels. Obviously that's a big deal. Brandon Slater, uh, we'll, we'll have to take an enormous jump, but I think he's primed to do so as he started knocking down threes in the NCAA tournament. And defensively, this Villanova team should be among the best uh, uh, in the Big East and, and among the best in the country. So I, I think I think they'll be number two. I would not be surprised if somehow the, the rankings, the number one team, everyone's got them number one, I feel like. That's Creighton for both of us. But uh, I, I, do, I wouldn't be shocked. They have the best talent. I wouldn't be shocked if because of the Big East is going to be such a, a grind and this team is relatively inexperienced if they don't win, but it's hard to not rule them number one considering what they bring back and the talent that is incoming. Yeah, I mean, Creighton, easily my number one. I mean, look at, this is a team that could have beat Kansas. I think I, I've said it multiple times. They could have beat Kansas if Ryan Kalkbrenner was healthy. Um, then on top of that, you add... There are two really high quality transfers. They got Baylor Shireman from South Dakota State, who was just a monster in the Summit League. If I'm not mistaken, he was the player of the year there. And they added one of the best off guards in the country, in my opinion. I saw what he did at CCU and Francisco Farabello, just a pure shooter who makes two three guard lineups work. He's very intelligent on the defensive end, doesn't have a lot of physical gifts there, but he's easy to hide because of that on ball. You don't really have to worry about him being a liability. And on top of that, I mean, just he's going to make everybody's job easier uh, in the backcourt. He's going to be a spot-up shooter. He's going to be a guy who can find the right – just move the ball and not ever keep 
you know, stop the possession anyway. So I really like what they're doing, just the returning roster, what they've gained. There's a lot to like with Creighton. You said a good point, though. Who knows what it amounts to, but ultimately, I'm a big fan of what they're doing there. Yeah, and, and Creighton, the craziest thing is Francisco Farabello is flying very under the radar and almost any top 25 team, he could be a starter and he'll likely be the sixth or seventh man on this team because they bring back Trey Alexander, who's a sophomore. Ryan Nemhard was out the entire NCAA tournament, was enormous in their big surge up the Big East standings and the Big East tournament before hurting his wrist. And then they bring in Arthur Kaluma, who's likely the highest drafted of this team, bring back Kalkbrenner, as you said, and insert Baylor Shireman, who was the summit player of the year and nearly led them to an upset of the Big East division champions last year, Providence in the first round in the 13-4 game. That's a loaded roster. The question I have is with this expectation on McDermott's uh, team, how how will they respond to that with a lot of these physical, more veteran teams with a target on their back rather than flying under the radar? Time will tell. I really do think this is the best Creighton team that Greg McDermott's ever had. And I expect them to win. Let's, so real quickly before we head to break, let, let's give uh, where you see these teams going. Let's start from the top. Creighton, how far do you think in the big dance they can go? You're saying in the SLA tournament, right? Yeah. I think they're elite eight. I, I'm with you there. How about Villanova? Uh, you know, I'll say second round exit. They'll win their first game, lose, lose Sunday for Saturday. I, I, would, I would go sweet 16 for Nova. Uh, how about UConn? Sweet 16 at least. I might yeah, put I them think, in the Elite Eight, too. I mean, they're, that's a dominant team. I, I think they're a second weekend team as well. Uh, how, how about Xavier? First weekend. I, I wouldn't shock me if they're like in a 8-9 and they bounce in the first yeah, round. Yeah, I've got them probably as a 7 seed, but I, I can see the same same theory there. Um, and then we've got, we've got Seton Hall. Oh, I'm missing one. Um, we're missing Providence. Yeah, uh, for me, Providence, I don't doubt Ed Cooley. They'll win a game. They're still a first weekend team, though. I'm with you there. So I, I think Seton Hall and Butler both make the tournament as well. Thad Mata running at Butler and Seton Hall getting um, Shaheen Holloway and they keep Kadari Richmond, a couple important transfers. How far do you think those two teams can go if they make the tournament? Um, I'd say first weekend. I think that's fair. I really do think seven teams from the Big East make it, and, yeah. and that's a basketball conference and a half right there. And speaking of where you can bet on these teams, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. For instance, you could bet on how, who's going to be the Big East regular division champion. Creighton's the favorite. Find all the latest sports new, uh, developments, le news, league reviews, and including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your betting, uh, betting, sporting, wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for you and all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to our website today or use your mobile device to learn more about what the trends are for the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back into Locked on NBA Big Board. I'm Leif Tulin alongside Richard Stamen, maybe better known as Mavs Draft. And we're going to talk about the draft, but talk about it with a little, little twist here of who are the best prospects from the Big East Conference and where do we see them being drafted and what range? We don't have our big boards out quite yet, or at least I certainly don't. I think Richard is in the same situation. Um, but we'll give you a rough estimate of where we could see their range being. And, and I think there's some obvious prospects, such as Cam Whitmore at Villanova, who was 
astounding in FIBA and really surged up draft boards with his athleticism. But also there's some guys with that, that'll be more surprises to you guys um, that are not diehard college basketball fans that don't watch the Big East on the regular. So, Richard, we'll start with Cam Whitmore. He's the obvious one. Um, break down his game for, for some people who haven't seen him too much and then, and then kind of let me know what you think of his, his range in terms of the NBA draft because I think most people have him as a lottery lock. Yeah, so for now, a lot of the high – for me, my approach with high school guys in general is look for the raw skills. We really don't know how the in-game decision-making at times can translate uh, or just the general feel for the game. Sometimes it's hard to predict, I think, how that scales up versus um, the raw skills. Cam Whitmore, though, we've seen check the box on both ends. Um, in the FIBA U18s, he was absolutely dominant. The thing I love about him is just athleticism, shooting, and frame combination. Like That is what you want when you're looking at a wing. Um, he absolutely checks the box. So he's ridiculously explosive, uh, very uh, just overall athletic, 6'6", 200, give or take. Um, could be even up to 6'7", has a really good frame. And just the athleticism and jump shot, they really pop and, and they're useful in game. It's not just raw athleticism and transition. It's in the half court hop step dunking. And it's, it's very rare to see that. Like he is a dominant athlete. Uh, he will try to go for the kill. He will draw fouls. I imagine at the next level and the level after that going from college to NBA, all of it, I fully anticipate that happening. So for me, I have him all the way up in my top five. I have him my number five prospect. Yeah, I think that's not a too not too unfamiliar spot for him. Tankathon has him at number five as well. It's just a general guideline I like to use and, and see who, who these prospects I need to monitor. And then I've got certainly some of my own that are not quite on Tankathon at this point in the year. Um, Cam Whitmore, to me, the question will be how how does he shoot and how does he handle playing in an egalitarian system like Villanova? I, I believe both answers will be pretty well. Villanova doesn't typically have a a one and done prospect. They've had a few guys red shirt, Omari Spellman red shirted came out as a freshman, but that's two years in the program. And that team was unbelievably good. And, and I think Cam Whitmore is the best freshman they've had. Uh, the question to me becomes how, how early on is he featured and, and what positions do they give him the ball? What role does he occupy? Villanova had Jermaine Samuels, a fifth-year senior playing power forward last year, and Brandon Slater playing the three, and maybe they'll be flip-flop. Uh, Brandon Slater will be playing the four, Cam Whitmore the three. But what points does he attack on? Are the, are the motions, the sets different with Jay Wright and now Kyle Neptune? But the principles will be the same. Jump stop, draw fouls, play unselfishly. And I actually think that will really help Cam Whitmore's development because then he won't have to – uh, he won't have to force it to the rim. I think he'll learn to play with NBA level talent, even if some of his teammates aren't quite that level, but the way he'll learn to pass and facilitate, I've got him number six on my board right now, but it's very tentative and that time will change, but he's one of the most uh, the people I'm most excited to watch play because of Villanova having a new identity, but sharing the same old identity. Is there a second prospect that stands out to you um, on Villanova or in the biggies that you want to go to next? Yeah, it's got to be Arthur Kaluma. He really made himself known in the NCAA tournament. 6'7", forward, 220, um, just does a lot on the basketball court. He, his stats as a freshman really underestimate him. I think if you look at the stats, you're like, eh, maybe not an NBA guy. But you watch him and you look at the flashes he provided in these numbers where it was like a lot of them came in bursts. It's really promising and, and expected that he'll have a sophomore jump. He averaged 10.5 points a game, 5.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists, half a steal, half a block. 2.5 turnover, so almost a two-to-one turnover to assist ratio. If he refines some of that rawness 
uh, in terms of decision making, that'll be big. And the field goal percentage is only 44%, then 26.5% from three and 67% from the line. So the stats really underrate him. I would ex- expect an absolute statistical jump for him. Again, a lot of the stats we saw coming end of the year in, in the NCAA tournament, really, um, like the last, the really the conference tournament and on. So anything in the postseason, he averaged 15 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, two assists, one steal on 42% shooting. Uh, and the free throw percentage, he was getting to the line a lot, 80%. So, like, you can tell a lot of the flashes are there. I'm with you. I think Arthur Kaluma is someone who's bound to have a breakout, and I think he jumped on the radar because of his performance against Kansas so much so I think he could have went to the NBA draft and been selected even after that those statistics weren't necessarily screaming off the page because of what he showed against the team with at two NBA wings in Ochai Baji and Christian Brown. Uh, I, I think that – Arthur Kaluma will have to hit more three-pointers, and I think he'll have a better chance because this team can really spread out the ball. They've got good playmakers and Trey Alexander, Ryan Nemhard, and Baylor Shireman. I think this court's going to be open. I think he'll be super effective uh, from the mid-post area, kind of in isolations, gets the rim, shoot free throws. If he shoots free throws at a 75% clip and threes at a 33% clip, which is you know nothing crazy but a bit of a jump, and he scores about 14 points a game and gets six rebounds, which I think are all very realistic uh, statistical projections for him, I think he'll be a top 20 pick in the NBA draft, despite draft age being something that concerns some. He's a little older for his his class, but I'm, I'm high on Arthur Kaluma as well. Are, are there any other players on Creighton or you want to jump to another team? Yeah, honestly, let's just come back real quick to Villanova because I, I talked about him, but Mark Armstrong, I really like him. I buy his jump shot. wish he was a little bit taller. He's only about 6'2", 6'3", uh, if I'm not mistaken, and, and now I'm suddenly doubting myself. Um, but he has a really clean jump shot, beautifully. Uh, I, I, I love the aesthetics of it. Um, played well at the U- U18s with Cam Whitmore, and his, he's just ridiculously fast. I mean, it takes him three steps to get to the rim from half court, things like that. And as a guard, that's pretty impressive. Really quick first step. Um, so I really like his game. And yeah, he's 6'3". Um, so not the best height, but like it's also not bad. Yeah, I think I think he's probably not going to come out this year. If I had to guess, just because there's such an egalitarian system at Villanova, it's hard for someone to shine on that level. For instance, Jalen Brunson won the national championship as a freshman, came back sophomore year, was excellent, one player of the year, junior year. It's not necessarily a perfect archetype, but the, the path that I'm laying out is that it's hard to be a standout. And I think with Cam Whitmore being one, it may be hard for him to come out, but I do have my eye on him as an NBA draft prospect. And, and one that I, we've talked about before on the show, and, and we briefly mentioned, is Colby Jones. Uh, I think you know more about him than I do. I, I've, I like his traits. I had jotted down notes watching Xavier this year in the NIT, and I was like, man, this guy this guy could be a dude next year. Um, I'm expecting big things from him. want to break down Colby Jones's game for some of the listeners. Yeah, Colby Jones is really interesting. So if you look at the stats, he's another guy. The stats really don't do him much justice. Um, you look at his first two years, I mean, as a sophomore, 11 and a half points a game, 3.2 assists, 7.3 rebounds. So the raw numbers are good. One and a half steals, half a block. Then he's 6'5". He's a combo guard, I would say. Shot 48% from the field, but 29% from three and 68% from the free throw line. That's not exactly the most promising. However, I would say two things. One, he did get to the line a lot more, and I'm, I'm intrigued by the – ability to get to the line and also the year before he shot 76 percent. i talk about it a lot 75 or so is the benchmark you can't really be lower uh 75 is, is where you get the benefit of the doubt 
for Kobe Jones, it's just all the stats that by shot type really favor him. The runner was ridiculously efficient. He shot 51% on runners, which he was in the 94th percentile in efficiency there. He was great at shooting um, open jump shots uh, from three. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy, uh, but I mean, 90th percentile. The problem for him is when he was contested, he was scared to shoot a little bit and his shot wasn't as great, but like the form is good. So for me, I buy just an all-around player for him. And I think you're looking at guys take jumps from sophomore to junior year. He's going to be somebody who takes a big jump. So I would buy as a second rounder. I would take him in the top 45, probably around 40 to 50 is, is ideal. Uh, yeah, I think you brought up a few important traits that he possesses. He, he, he's got good touch around the rim. His free throws has been up to a threshold that typically is referred to as, as above par. And then also he's got these athletic traits he can't, can't teach, and that's good coupling. And I think he'll be the best player on a Xavier team that we both project to be a pretty good force in the Big East. Um, anyone else that you want to, you want to touch on? Um, you know, the only other player is Kadari Richmond for me. I know I wasn't super high on him, uh, but just watching, he had some crazy games uh, throughout the season. It was kind of hit or miss at times. I think he was kind of lost. And I think being with this new, almost the St. Peter's Pirates at this point, um, because of the amount of transfers, I think Kadari Richmond actually might take a jump. He, he had some really impressive games uh, where he was just shooting lights out. I mean, the game against UConn in early January, he went 10 of 13 at 27 points. I uh, was getting to the line, eight free throw attempts. Like I like him. Uh, I'm not super high on him. I just don't buy the jump shot. So I think a lot of people want to see like a, a baby shake Gilders Alexander because he's a six, five guard who can get to the rim with ease and play defense. But you know, it's, it's easier to say that in theory than practicality. I want to see him take a jump there. Yeah. He, his shot is a big, big question mark, but defensively he's a monster. He steals the ball. We saw that as a freshman at Syracuse. And then last year he dominated against a really good defensive UConn team where he just went to the rim at will. I've got two more that, that uh, aren't necessarily locks to be for, uh, drafted, but guys that I think showed potential. And I mentioned both of them, Andre Jackson, I think is the best athlete in the big East pretty confidently. Um, he's a defensive monster. His shot was good in percentage, not beautiful in terms of aesthetics, um, I, I think defensively and now being a kind of more of a facilitator with RJ Colgan, you could see him have a kind of a Dalen Terry like breakout. I don't think he's quite the facilitator Dalen Terry is, but that's someone to keep an eye on. I also think Jordan Hawkins, if he scores efficiently, he's got the game to be a draftable player. And then one last player would be Trey Alexander to keep your eye on for Creighton. I think he's their best NBA caliber guard. Um, obviously, Ryan Nemhard runs the show. His older brother, Andrew, just was a second round pick. Uh, I, I think that they all have a chance. Um, but you know, that those are, those are less predictable, but those are some of the people that I think to keep your eyes peeled for in the big East. Yeah. Those are some good picks. Uh, we're going to let our sponsors get a word in here real quick, but when we come back, we're going to do some awards predictions for the big East. Let's get into it. Let's do the awards leaf. Um, we are going to, uh, do the, let's see player of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, and then six man of the year. Did I miss one as well? Probably just first team as well. Give them, give them some and of the best Yeah, players. their first team. Uh, I'll start us off with a player of the year. I, I alluded to it. I've got Adama Sanogo as the player of the year. He's a, a bull in a china shop type of player who, who disrupts everything, scores on the interior. He's got good hands, good footwork. And, and I think he'll be the leader for UConn, probably among the top scorers in the entire Big East Conference and certainly one of the most efficient. 
I think he's my pick too. I mean, we look at what he did last year. I mean, he made an, he was one of those guys where he really made a name for himself in the, um, was it the Maui Invitational? It was, it was one of the, I think it was the Maui, right? Or no, Battle for Bahamas. Sorry, it was Battle for, Battle for Bahamas. And for the year, only 15 points a game, nine rebounds. I fully expect both those numbers to go up. I mean, nine might, might be a half rebound improvement, but I think he's going to flirt with almost 18 points a game. Like you said, he missed a ton of bunnies. And having just better teammates around him, I think, is going to do a lot for him. So I really like him as the player of the year. What about defensive player of the year? I think we're not the same one. This is this is a tough one. Um, I, 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 I'm – I'm kind of thinking about a couple players here. I think Andre Jackson as a guard has a chance, but I'm going to go with Manny Bates from Butler, who's going to who's going to smack some shots all over the yard. Uh, he was great at NC State, sat out last year, um, and he's he's a shot blocking machine. So that's probably my pick. But I, I, that was a tough one. Yeah, I was going to say Andre Jackson. I mean, we look at what a lockdown perimeter player looks like. It's him. He is almost a prototypical example. So I really like him. You were the first to talk about him. Uh, almost a year ago at this point saying like, Hey, this guy's a sleeper. He's been making some noise. Um, so Andre Jackson will be my pick. Uh, what about the first team? Or actually let's, let's do first team last. How about six man of the year? Six man of the year is tough because we don't know who's <laughs> starting quite yet. Um, but I, but I like the ambition from us. Um, I, I, I think there's a couple guys. I think Naima Len for, UConn's got a, a certainly got a chance as he's been a starter on a power five team. I, I also think that your boy Francisco Farabello has got a chance, but I don't know if he gets enough minutes necessarily yeah. at the, right off the bat because of how loaded that team is. So I would go with Naima Len. Um, oh, actually I got one more. Sorry. Montez Mathis coming off the bench for St. John's is my, he's pick. good. That kid is good. I like him. I, my prediction is someone from Connecticut. Cause I don't know who's going to start on that team necessarily like what the exact starting five is i think uconn's gonna have the winner though um depending on who it is i i, I think it's somebody from uconn so let's do our all big east roster so let's start at the top make our way down to guard so center um we can just do two and two i guess because there i feel like sonoga is probably the easy choice for center so yeah, Sonogo Sonogo's my pick right there i think there's a few Fremantle and calc brenner will fight for the second first team spot in my opinion yeah uh, that's yeah exactly like we don't have to do the 10 through but just because center i feel like it's such a lock at center maybe shout out someone else and cal Brenner is my pick so uh, i like that let's go to forwards or that's the second sorry sonoga and then and then cal Brenner. but for forwards who do we have as the two i'll go i'll go with zach freeman i'll give him the nod at a power forward and have jack nungy play the center for xavier um uh, i think that that that's probably the way i'd go with it um i think that I'll just I'll just give three because there's there's two spots and I'll give it three names because just in case we get the 10 man because sometimes they do this. I think that Cam Whitmore and Colby Jones uh fight for the three spot and then the four is going to go to either Fremantle or Calcretter. Yeah, Fremantle's probably there. I, I might, but I think though, I, I'm I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna say Kaluma because I really do expect the jump. I might be looking at the draft perspective too much, and then Cam Whitmore will be used as the forward as kind of a wing. So guards. Now guards, I think there's a lot of guys in this mix. Yeah, I think I missed on Kaluma. It's it's hard. And if, if, if there's a 10-man, I think I do a better job. But you certainly you certainly got a shot there. Guards, I'm going to go with Trey Alexander from Creighton. And I'll go with Jared Bynum from Providence. I think he's the most proven scorer on hmm. that team. And he's, he's yeah. you know, they, a lot of players need to make the the – 
to uh, make a team good, but you've got to credit one who's going to make a team a top five by both of our opinions. Um, and I think he's the most able to be attributed to, uh, to, to Providence's success. So I'll go with Jared Bynum and uh, I'll go with Trey Alexander as my two guards, unless Colby Jones counts as a guard and then I'd slot him there. Yeah. So for me, my guards are, I have Colby Jones as one, cause I really do expect the breakout. I don't know which Creighton guard to believe will get first team. I mean, you say Trey Alexander pretty safely. I, I think Ryan Nemhard might give a good run for his money. Well, he um, sure will. I was picking, I was picking, throwing darts there. That they've got I, three guards that have a chance. I mean, I like your confidence on him. I think I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Ryan uh, Nemhard. I'm going to, I'm going to say he'll be the the last one on the team. So that kind of recaps our um, Big East preview. We did the awards. We did some NBA draft prospects to watch. And we gave you the college basketball perspective of what's it going to look like? What's the landscape of the tournament of the Big East as a whole? Be sure we will be back. We're almost back to the not off season. Uh, we're in the we have like a very small off season at Locked On where we don't do five days a week. But we're coming back up on those five days a week. So uh, be sure give us a follow on YouTube before the season. We're going to be doing a ton of content through college basketball, high school, international, NBA, NBA draft for the next nine, 10 months. You don't want to miss it. Uh, if you're already subscribed there, thank you so much. And again, thank you everybody for listening. This has been Locked On NBA, uh, Big Board, excuse me. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your day.